Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm privileged to welcome a very accomplished professional from Delaware, USA, Maya K. Van Rossum. Maya, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Maya is the founder of the National Green Movement, National Green Amendment Movement and the Delaware Riverkeeper. Um, she's been recognized, awarded, and felicitated several times. So Maya, before we talk about the National Green Amendment Movement, tell me about your own journey in brief. Oh, you know, I I, I had the privilege of growing up with parents who cared about nature and the earth. They weren't active vocal advocates. Mm. They just I think believed they lived what they believed. And mm. so they believed that we should respect the earth. And also every time they saw an injustice happening in front of them, large or small, they would take action to try to adjust, address it. Mm. And so I think that I just um, witnessed my parents growing up again, respecting the earth, but also believing in equity for all and ensuring justice where mm whenever they had the opportunity. And and I guess that all came together in me. Oh, and so I've had the honor for the last 30 years of being an environmental activist and attorney hmm. and really being able to dedicate my life Amazing. to environmental protection. Amazing. Thank you. So let's talk about the National Green Amendment movement. For my viewers and listeners, Maya, help us understand what is a green amendment and why is it important? So um, a Green Amendment is language that gets added to the Bill of Rights section mm -hmm. of a constitution mm -hmm. and recognizes and protects in, a, in a, an enforceable way mm -hmm. the, the inalienable human right mm -hmm. of all people to pure water, clean air, a safe climate, and healthy environments. Mm -hmm. And because of the chosen language and this constitutional Bill of Rights placement, the right to a clean, safe, and healthy environment is given highest legal recognition and protection that you can get here mm -hmm. in the United States of America. Mm -hmm. And that's really essential because across the United States, the way environmental protection laws are written mm -hmm. and implemented is they're really written in a way that's designed to legalize mm -hmm. environmental pollution, desecration, and harm. They're not really written in a way designed to avoid pollution mm. and degradation. They sort of hop to the end of the process, mm. assume that environmental desecration is a foregone conclusion, and just decide, okay, what permits and reviews are we going to issue to manage mm. this environmental devastation mm. um, and to literally legalize it, not prevent it. But when we have a constitutional right to a clean, safe, and healthy environment, right. we literally flip that. And so all government action in the first instance is focused on preventing pollution, degradation, and harm first, and ensuring true environmental justice hmm. for all people, because we all now have the same constitutional entitlement hmm. to a clean and healthy environment. Amazing. Thank you. And uh, are there any key differences between the Green Amendment and other environmental protection laws? 
There really are, because a law is the result of a political process. Right. And um, they're very easily passed and they're very easily removed. And um, depending on the politics of the day, as I said, they really focus on what permits are we going to issue to legalize pollution? Right. And they're very focused in on one issue or another. How much mercury can we release mm. into the air, into the water? How much development are we going to allow in our floodplains or to happen? in this harmful way. Mm. And so they're really focused on specific areas of the environment and how to manage the harm that's going to be inflicted. Mm. With, an with a constitutional entitlement, we're really focused on that broad recognition and protection of the inalienable human right mm. to a clean, safe, and healthy environment. And so and, and the Constitution is above all law. It mm. guides all laws here in the United States of America. Mm. So all laws must um, be written and advanced in service to Correct. that constitutional Absolutely. entitlement. And so when our government behaves in a way that we, the people, believe infringes on our right to a clean, safe and healthy environment, mm. Because we have a constitutional entitlement hmm. to a clean, safe, and healthy environment, we can actually bring legal action hmm. against what the government has done. We can yep. challenge it hmm. and fend it off. If you have just a law, then defining what clean water and clean air is, defining mm -hmm. how much pollution can be released that will advance the climate yep. crisis, that's all in the hands of the government. Hmm. But when the people have a constitutional entitlement, then actually the final say, the final word lies with the people. Very well said. And um, under the law. Very well said. And you're so right. Once it's in the constitution, it's almost cast in stone. I mean- It is. And it's, right. it's a right. It's, a law can be is passed through a political process, right. but to get a constitutional entitlement, it's harder to get language added to the Constitution. I know. But once it's there, mm. you're very unlikely to lose it. And so Correct. that's another powerful benefit. Very well said. And uh, does the Green Amendment also address the very, very current issue of climate change? It really, it does. So mm -hmm. first up, in the United States, there are only three states mm -hmm. that have this constitutional right to a clean, safe, Okay. and healthy environment mm -hmm. where we have activity in many more states across the nation trying to get this protection. And ultimately, I hope to get it at the federal level. But right now, it's in these limited three states. But mm. what we have already seen through litigation in these states, whether it was litigation to challenge fossil fuels or litigation to challenge government action that is actually... Um, advancing dirty fossil fuels and in, and knowingly exacerbating the climate crisis, mm -hmm. what we have seen is that green amendments in these three states have been successfully used to defeat government laws and government actions mm -hmm. that exacerbate the climate crisis. And in these three, these first three states with green mm -hmm. amendments, not, none of them actually mention mm -hmm. the right to a safe climate. They mm -hmm. talk about clean water, clean air, healthy environments. And so through our legal work, we've made clear to the courts mm -hmm. that those environmental rights include a safe climate. But in the other 15 states where we have Green Amendment proposals, mm -hmm. the right to a safe climate 
is actually explicitly mentioned in the language. Hmm. So we're even it's going to be um, even more clear that a safe climate is a constitutional entitlement mm -hmm. when these mm -hmm. green amendments get get passed and enforced. Mm -hmm. Well said, well said. Another question is that, you know, whenever matters such, uh, such as all the points that you've spoken about for the green amendment come up, there are understandably people who are critics. So my question is, as an activist, how do you address critics who argue that such amendments might hurt economic development or lead to excessive regulation. So you are right. The opposition always brings that up. They pretend that all economic <laughs> development, all jobs, the yeah, sky is going to yeah, fall and yeah. horrible things are going to happen mm -hmm. when we have mm -hmm. constitutional rights of this of this kind. But there are there are three very clear answers. First off, mm -hmm. I, I don't think anybody, if they were asked personally, mm -hmm. should your child should your mother, should your sibling or your mm. best friend be sacrificed in order to advance um, cancer-causing agents in the air or in the water because it'll create a job mm. for somebody else? Nobody would be willing to sacrifice mm. their family member in order to create a job or few for others, right? So you know, we all want and need our families yeah. to be safe. And it's not fair to ask me to sacrifice my family right. so that you can have a job for your family. That's mm. number one. Number two, it's not that's not even the choice. Mm. When we advance clean and healthy environments throughout the history of our nation, of our world, what mm. we see is good, healthy environments mm. advance good, healthy economic development and right. good healthy jobs. Mm. When we protect our air, when we protect our water, when we protect our climate and our the critical ecosystems that we all depend upon and enjoy, we create jobs. Um, we ensure the health of people and workers so that they can go to work. Mm. Our industries and our manufacturers and energy creators and all business operations of all kinds are actually benefited because they too need healthy workers, clean water, clean air, and healthy environments mm. actually to be sustained. Mm. We can see, and the other thing is we save money, mm. right? It costs a lot of money when we contaminate the air so much that we're that we devastate people's lives, mm. including workers. We mm. have to invest in cleaning that up in the healthcare costs. When we advance the climate crisis or develop in areas that create more flooding and flood damages. Well, yeah. we have to invest in helping to rescue people who mm. are being flooded to help them rebuild their homes in safer places and spaces, right? So it costs a lot of money to respond mm. to environmental harm. Mm. And on the flip side, we create healthy economic development and healthy jobs when we protect the environment. So actually advancing green amendments that proactively protect our environment and protect our people, we are actually most effectively supporting and growing healthy economic development mm -hmm. and healthy job creation. Mm -hmm. And I think that those there was a third point I was thinking about, but I Dr. think that Rari. those are really... Yeah. The most Absolutely. important. No, no, that, that's a great response. Thank you. And my next question is that how does the Green Amendment intersect with the global environmental initiatives like the Paris Agreement? So it really helps advance it. Mm -hmm. Any, any, um, 
international agreements to advance mm. environmental protection are benefited mm. by states here in the United States of America. And again, hopefully ultimately at the federal yeah. level, mm. having a constitutional green amendment, because what it what it means is that you U.S. government entities mm. are proactively advancing environmental protection, mm. which will help the United States meet their obligations under these international agreements and really mm. set a precedent for other nations right. to follow. Right. Well said. My next question is that are there any unintended consequences or potential pitfalls you foresee with the implementation of a Green Amendment? So it's really interesting. Um, the most, you know, all the arguments against the Green Amendment in every state, they, they're all the same. And mm. we have good answers to all of them. Amazing, yeah. But within the last year and a half, mm. I've been hearing a lot from the option uh, or, or from the opposition saying that a Green Amendment is going to have unintended consequences, those mm -hmm. two words. But they never define yeah. what unintended consequences are. Correct. You know, so you're sort of left to your imagination. Well, to me, we have seen many consequences intended and unintended from mm. green amendments. We have cleaned up our water. We have cleaned up our air. We have secured action to clean up toxic sites. Mm. We have defeated inappropriate advancement of dirty fossil fuels mm. and helped to advance good um, government action to better address the climate crisis. So mm -hmm. the only consequences intended or unintended that I have seen mm -hmm. are positive and proactive. I think when people say the opposition says they're going to be unintended consequences, they are meaning to suggest, um, you know, sort of our, our conversation from earlier that somehow mm -hmm. we're going to harm all economic development right. or um, any number of industries are going to be inappropriately harmed. And I would suggest to you that all um, business entities will be positively impacted by having a constitutional green amendment. Mm. Um, it depends a little bit how you define it. So if we mm. think about the energy sector, mm. well, no, a green amendment's not going to help dirty mm. fossil fuels, right. but a green amendment is going to help advance good quality energy mm -hmm. creation that creates jobs, makes money, saves money, and helps address the consequences of the climate crisis, mm. both advancing the good and preventing the bad. So again, yeah. the only consequences yeah. that that I see, you know, on a community scale are beneficial and, and, and positive. And language like unintended consequences, or, you know, we're going to crash economic development. These are just fear mongering tactics from the mm -hmm. opposition. Well said. Uh, one more question uh, relating to the Green Amendment. Uh, how do you envision a Green Amendment reshaping the future of environment policy uh, in your country? And so it's really, yeah, it, well, it's really going to reorient government so it's focused on prevention mm. of pollution and degradation and harm from the earliest um, from the earliest stages of decision making, when mm. it's actually easier to make adjustments mm. to bad projects or to say no before yeah. anybody's you know invested lots of money in a development project or an industrial mm. operation in mm. a location or using means and mechanisms that really are are inappropriate. If we mm. say 
know from the get go, mm -hmm. then, you know, people are saving money and saving, you know, the energy going into advancing that mm -hmm. bad project mm -hmm. and instead can redirect their energies towards good projects. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're really going to just reorient all government actions. So it's mm -hmm. focused on prevention of pollution, degradation and harm, mm -hmm. number one. And number two, we are going to and we are giving people a meaningful seat at the table. Mm -hmm. Right now, when government takes action that harms our environment here in the United States of America, they are actually empowered to do that. Mm. They're empowered to decide that clean air and clean water is water and air so contaminated with toxins right. that it gives kids cancer and it causes heart attacks and, and Alzheimer's and all sorts of horrifying mm. impacts yep. on people and on our environment. Mm. And there's not really much that people can do about it unless mm. somewhere in the law, the government has given people permission mm. to take legal action against them, which generally it does not. It's mm. actually prohibited. Mm. But when we give the right, the constitutional right to the people, then all government officials understand mm. that in the final analysis, the people have a seat at the table and mm. the people have a say. And so government officials are going to, one, be less inclined to make bad decisions. Mm -hmm. But number two, when they do, when they do sacrifice people, communities and the environment, mm. we, the people, are going to be able to take action mm. to try to prevent that devastating harm. Mm. And I think that, you know, this constitutional green amendment movement here in mm. the united states of america does have a message worldwide because for most nations mm. even while you know most nations around the world or countries mm. around the world re increasingly are recognizing the importance of environmental rights mm. within their countries they suffer the same kind of problems that we have here in the united states of mm. america mm. there's lots of good language about the importance of environmental rights, but when it actually comes to legal protection, mm. the laws fundamentally fail us. Mm. So as we advance this Green Amendment movement here in the United States of America, for those countries where they also are suffering those fatal flaws in terms of environmental protection, I think that we're helping deliver a message or a pathway mm. of how other countries can also think about within their legal systems, yeah. they might make adjustments mm. that will also be more beneficial in terms of environmental protection, environmental justice, mm. ge protecting future generations in a meaningful and forceful way, mm. and addressing the climate crisis. Well said, well said. So Maya, I'm going to now move to a few questions about the Del your role as a Delaware Riverkeeper. You know, I was fascinated when I heard these two words, Delaware Riverkeeper. I'd never heard such a term before. But can you explain to me the role and mission of the Delaware Riverkeeper Network and your role as the Riverkeeper? Sure. So as the Delaware Riverkeeper Network is an organization, it's mm -hmm. an organization yeah. and I have staff and volunteers and attorneys, right, that all come to work together to focus mm -hmm. on protection of the Delaware River, which is mm -hmm. a river that is 330 miles long mm -hmm. and its watershed encompasses four states, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania mm -hmm. and the state of Delaware. Right. And everything we do is focused on challenging the bad things that could harm the Delaware River 
any of its tributaries or mm. its watershed because mm. the health of the Delaware River is dictated by the health of its tributaries Correct. and its watershed. Correct. But I, as the Delaware Riverkeeper, am the person honored with the obligation of being the voice of the Delaware River and mm. really um, embodying this idea that all people need to take personal responsibility mm. for the natural ecosystems yeah. that they are a part of, mm. right? Because of course, our rivers, our streams, our forests, our wildlife, they don't have a voice mm. in our human world unless we give them a voice. So mm. the idea of the river keeper mm. is to really proactively live and demonstrate that obligation that we as people have, which right. is to give nature a voice in our human world, but mm. more than a voice, give them a champion. Mm. Right. That will fight for them and make sure mm. that their needs are not just heard and understood, but are given the highest priority in the decision making process. Mm. So as a Delaware Riverkeeper, I have the honor of, of bearing the role of being the voice of the river. But of course, being the voice of a river as as long as the Delaware with a yeah. watershed that as large as the Delaware's, that's not the job of one person. And so I that's see. why we have the I Delaware see. Riverkeeper Network. Yeah, well said. And of course, the river runs through, as you said, four different states. So therefore, you need buy-in of all the people who are contributing to the Delaware River. But yes. my question next is that how has climate change impacted the Delaware River ecosystem and what adaptation and mitigation strategies are being pursued to address these? So, you know, we for the entire 30 years that I've been the Delaware Riverkeeper, you know, we, I and my organization have been bringing forth the importance of addressing the climate crisis from a mm. positive, proactive way. Mm. It has only been, you know, in more recent years, frankly, that government officials have started to take the ramifications of the climate crisis on the Delaware River seriously. Mm. Mm. Before then, it was a lot of yammering and rhetoric, but not much meaningful action. So mm. we're starting to see change on that mm. front. The way the Delaware River is is being primarily impacted, right, is, of course, we are seeing that warming climate that is impacting um, the, the, the wildlife, the aquatic life that live mm. in the river. We're seeing changes mm. in the vegetation and the ecosystems that are essential for the wildlife mm. and the people, mm. right, and the aquatic life of our region. We are seeing a lot more flooding and flood damages because right. the rain is falling more frequently at greater volumes, right? And with greater intensity mm. um, over portions of the Delaware River watershed. And so communities are really experiencing more frequently the mm. ravages of flooding and flood damages. Unfortunately, the while, while we do hear government officials speaking um, more seriously mm -hmm. about the importance of addressing the climate crisis proactively. Um, when we actually see decisions being made, they continue to avoid properly addressing right. the climate crisis. So there's been um, a, 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 an effort for, for decades to continue to deepen the Delaware River through its and its main navigation channel through dredging. Mm -hmm. And at the Delaware Riverkeeper Network, we have been advocating that dredging in and of itself is harmful for the ecosystems yeah. and the health of the Delaware River. But when you combine that 
with the rising sea level of mm -hmm. caused by the climate crisis, we are having even more significant ramifications, including mm -hmm. we are moving the salt that is coming up from the ocean further and further up the Delaware River, which is threatening drinking water supplies, mm -hmm. as well as species on the brink of extinction, yeah. Yeah. like the Delaware River's genetically unique population mm -hmm. of Atlantic sturgeon. And so we hear them mention the climate crisis, but we don't actually see it in decision making mm -hmm. in big projects like that. So we continue to have to advocate for that. When we do see actions and decisions being made in advancing in response to the climate crisis, mm -hmm. particularly the rising floodwaters and flood damages, all too often what we are seeing and hearing is, let's build another dam, mm -hmm. let's build another levy. levy. Yeah. Dams, yeah. levees, those kinds of structures are very harmful to mm -hmm. a river ecosystem, yeah. number one. And number two, they really encourage people to mm -hmm. continue to build closer and closer to our waterways mm -hmm. in these in these areas mm. that are prone to flooding and flood damages. Mm. So we are actually, by creating those kinds of structures, we are harming the river and the ecosystem, but we are bringing more and more people into the path of harm mm. when those structures fail. And they will fail. Mm. I mean, dams and levees are not designed to protect all flooding and flood damages. Absolutely. They are designed to protect floods up to a certain level and that level will be exceeded yeah and when that when that level is exceeded all the communities that are downstream or neighboring mm. will be decimated Definitely. so it's really bad strategy but um but that is what we what 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 we continue to see and so at the mm. delaware riverkeeper network you know we continue to, to deliver the same message if you're mm. trying to address flooding and flood damages there is one best solution and that is move people out of the floodplain, mm. out of the path of harm, up to higher ground, mm. give nature the space it needs, give the river the space it needs mm. so that when the floodwaters rise, it can spread out, mm. one, not harming anybody, but mm. two, also get the, the beautiful benefits yeah. of entering into a floodplain area filled with native vegetation, which helps water quality, which helps ecosystem health. It provides so many wonderful benefits mm. to a healthy river. And when we have a healthy river, we have healthy communities. Yeah, so that's an, that's the, the kind of um, responsive action at the Delaware Riverkeeper Network we advocate for. Um, mm. And unfortunately, we continue to have to advocate against dams and levees and those kinds of structures mm -hmm. um, and still press for the nature-based solution that makes the most, most sense for river and the people. Mm, amazing. And my on that note, uh, I just want to say thank you so much for speaking to me. Thank you for talking to me about your own journey Thank you for talking to me about the National Green Amendment. I think I learned many, many new things from you uh, about on the National Green Amendment. I do see a book behind you, uh, which is uh, for the National Green Amendment, I'm sure. Thank you for speaking to me about the Delaware Riverkeeper. I mean, I had no idea that there was such an organization that existed. And I'm sure this is there all over America. But rivers are... The, the, the lifeline for every society in every community in the world. And I'm sure listening to you today, many, many more people may get motivated to have similar organizations to protect their own rivers. Thank you for speaking to me and good luck to you.
Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And really, there are, when I became the Delaware Riverkeeper, there were only a few of us. I know. Uh, I but know. there are now riverkeepers, waterkeepers, baykeepers um, in, in across the U.S., but also in, in, in other countries around the world. So I, I love that you're encouraging people to get involved with you know, taking that personal responsibility yeah. for their waterways. Thank Wonderful. you. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in, to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.